0: Good morning. How are we doing this morning? How many, I just got to ask you this, love this cold weather? You love it? Really? Wow. Let me see that again. That that kind of, how many love it? You love it. These people right here, born and raised in India, and they love this cold weather. I was raised in Michigan. During the 80s, for a number of years, I lived in Erie, PA. I don't live there anymore. (laughs) No, we're glad you're here. Good to be with you. Good to be in person today. And that's our theme for 2022, Live Loud, from James 1.22, Be Doers of the Word, Not Hearers Only. And that's the thought that we've been looking at for three weeks, that we want to be intentional for Jesus Christ, that we want to have an outward focus, not just an inward focus, that we want to be bold and loving, strong and compassionate and serving, and we're realizing that we need this outward focus because there are people that we come in contact with every day that need the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, and so we want to see people come into the family of God. We're believing right here, and I shared this last week. Where this year, 125 people that we know of accept Jesus Christ as their Savior at Morning Star Fellowship. How many will believe with me and pray with me that we're going to see that happen? 125 people, amen? 100 people baptized in water. And here's the part that we do that we're going to invite people, that we're going to give them the invitation. Come with me. Come and see the Lord. Not come and see me. Come and see Jesus. Come and meet Jesus. Come and get the presence of God. And so we want our words and our actions to match. And so today I'm going to talk about something that I've seen too many people dealing with, uh, not handling it so well. And and I've got to be honest, I'm dealing with it too. Uh, It hasn't got the best of me. I'm handling it, but it's there. And it's this thing called stress. Say it with me, stress. I'm not telling you to say, hey, I'm all stressed out, because that's why we're talking about this. I don't want you to go there and and proclaim that that has the victory over your life, even though you feel like that. You may have said that. I don't want you to feel bad for saying that. But we're going to look at our great stress reliever, and his name is Jesus. I think it's a good idea when we come to the house of God that we look at Jesus. How many think that? He's our example, and he's our great stress reliever. He is. And there are some principles that he lived by. I'm going to call them Jesus stress management principles. And so I'm going to get real practical today. I'm going to ask you to, you know, follow along with the app notes. I'm going to ask you to write some things down. I really want you to do that, uh, because you know, in the last two years, there's stress going on in your personal life. There's stress going on, and um, we deal with it each and every day. And so we look at some of these symptoms of stress. And I'm even kind of concerned to say this because I think we're going to hear these and you're going to say aches and pains, heart racing, chest pain, exhaustion, symptom of stress, trouble sleeping, headaches, dizziness, high blood pressure, muscle tension, stomach digestive problems, sexual sexual dysfunction. Uh, November 2021, the report came out that over 100,000 Americans died last year of a drug overdose. And I say that, and I don't want you to go there, and you think, well, I thought it was okay. Now, after you're hearing all these things, I think I do have a headache. I think I was dizzy. I didn't sleep too good last night. Maybe I'm stressed. And I want you to know today, stress doesn't have to handle you. You can handle stress in the name of Jesus. Amen? That's our big idea today. You can handle stress. In the name of Jesus, stress doesn't have to handle you. And they tell us, the medical experts, three types of stress, acute stress, episodic stress, and chronic stress. Well, let's look at Jesus here, our stress reliever. And when we look at Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, God in the flesh, and Jesus who lived on this earth for 33 years, I want to tell you, this man Jesus encountered lots of stress. He barely had time to himself. He didn't have much personal privacy. He was criticized. He 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 was pressured. He there were grueling demands on his time. He was constantly interrupted. People misunderstood him and ridiculed him. He had enormous stress that most of us would have caved in. I believe all of us would have caved in. And yet when we look at Jesus, he remained at peace under pressure. He was never in a hurry. Boy, I like to say that about myself. He was never in a hurry. He was always at ease. And so the question becomes, how did Jesus do this? And we look at his life, and I said Jesus had some principles of stress management. and. With that, we think, well, come on, he's Jesus. He's he's God. He's the son of God, you know. He can do anything and all things and everything. Nothing phases Jesus. He's immune to all of our human weaknesses. He's God. I want you to tell you, well, that's not quite the case because in Hebrews 4.15, it tells us that our high priest understands. Jesus is our high priest. You see, he's the perfect one. He fulfilled three ministry offices perfectly and ultimately. First, he's the ultimate priest. He's the ultimate prophet. And he is the final, ultimate king of kings and lord of lords. And so it says here, our priest, this high priest of ours, understands our weaknesses. He understands right there. He understands your weakness. How many would say? I have some weaknesses, okay? I'm raising my hands. Thank you for two hands. I'm raising two hands. I have some weaknesses. If you're not raising your hands and you're married, your spouse is raising your hand for you right now, okay? For he faced all the same things, all the same testings we do. He understands. He gets it. He understands what you don't understand. When you don't understand yourself, he understands you. How many had trouble understanding yourself? Let's, yeah he understands. And it says he was tempted even in all the ways that we are tempted yet without sin. That means he's trustworthy. I can depend on Jesus. And so he based his life on the sound principles of stress management. And I say, when we look at these today, begin to understand these principles, begin to apply these principles, we're going to experience less pressure and have peace of mind. And so I said, the big idea today is you can handle stress. Stress doesn't have to Handle you. So if you would please stand with me. Let's make our confession and just get into the Word of God this morning. And uh let's just go to our stress reliever. Say it with me if you would, please, this morning. This is my Bible. This is the Word of God. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. When I read and hear the word, faith comes to my spirit. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever living seed of the Word of God, and it will change my life. I'll never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, you sound good. Maybe seated. So, how can I handle stress? So, we're going to look to Jesus, our example this morning. I want you to know we can do this in Jesus' name. The first principle is this the first principle identification know who you are know who you are Jesus made some statements in the book of John the I am statements and so we're going to look at a few of them this is some of the statements he made identification know who you are Jesus said in John 8, 12 I am the light of the world if you follow me you won't walk in darkness because you'll have the light that leads to life John 10:9 I am the door I am the gate John 10:11 I am the good shepherd John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 10, 36, I am the son of God. Jesus knew who he was. He wasn't confused about his identity. So that's the first principle for handling stress. Know who you are, that principle of identification. Now, this is vital. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know, there's always going to be someone else that will try to tell you who they think you're. You are and who you should be. There's gonna be those people that wanna manipulate you and pressure you into being somebody that you're not. And a lot of stress in our life is the result of us wearing masks, and that's no pun intended. I just want to say that right now. That we aren't real, authentic I don't like wearing masks. I'm just gonna say that myself. I really don't, but I'm talking about where we're not real, we're not honest, we are pretenders, we're living that double life trying to be someone that we're not. Insecurity always produces pressure in our lives. And when we feel insecure, we feel the pressure to perform and conform. And we can't meet those unrealistic standards. And we may work and we may work and we may strive and strive, but we can't meet those standards. There's tensions and there's pressures. And so what I need, what you need is an internal balance, which is who I am. I know who I am by knowing whose I am, whose I am. I know who I am by knowing whose I am. I am a child of God. I was put on this earth not by accident, but on purpose. You're not an accident. Amen? Amen. I am deeply loved by God. I'm accepted by him. He has a plan for my life. And because he put me here, I am significant. That's what God says about you. Know who you are. That's what we're going to teach on Saturday mornings when I'm going to teach with with the men. 7.30, we're going to get you out there at 9 o'clock. You can get home to your family and your kids' ball games or whatever. We're going to meet for a couple months. And that's the principle uh, of your identity, knowing the power of your identity in Jesus Christ. So bring your Bible, bring a notebook, bring your pen. We're going to go through the word of God. We're going to have a Bible study, knowing the power of your identity. Until you know who you are, you and I are going to be pressured by insecurity. And then secondly, the second principle is dedication. Know whom you're trying to please. And we see this once again in Jesus in John 530. He says, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because i carry out the will of the one who sent me not my own will. Jesus was saying i seek to please the father. That is my sole purpose. I seek to please God the Father. How many's found out that you can't please everyone and make everyone happy. Well that should yeah By the time I think I've got this group over here happy and this group pleased, you know what? This group over here is unhappy and unpleased, and they're not too happy with what's going on. And I try to please them, and now by the time I please them, this group over here is not too happy and they're not too pleased. Why are we trying to do something that God can't even do? God doesn't make everybody happy and please everyone. You realize that? And I have to stop, and you have to stop, and I had to stop at some point in my life and say, you know what? I'm just here to please you. To the best of my ability, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm here to please you. That's what Jesus did. He said, I come to seek to do the will of the Father. I'm going to please God the Father. And when he did that, that's the reply from God the Father in Matthew 3.17. What did the Father reply? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. When you don't know whom you're trying to please, We're going to cave into three things. The first thing is criticism. Criticism. Because we like people. We want people to like us. We don't want criticism. We want people to be happy with us. We care about what other people think. And so we cave into criticism. Competition. You worry about whether somebody else is getting ahead of you and advancing and outperforming you. Conflict. Because you're threatened when anyone disagrees with you. See, Jesus said in Matthew 6:33, if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all the other necessary things of life will be added unto me. It means if I focus on pleasing God, it will simplify my life. How many of you like to simplify your life today? Come on. Focus on pleasing God, it will simplify your life. Men today, if you're married or going to get married, please God. I'm going to say this. You're going to please your wife. Say, I want to please my wife. I want my wife happy. Please God, and your wife's going to be happy. She'll see that you're living to please God, and she'll know when you're not living to please God. It'll simplify your life. I'll always be doing the right thing, the thing that God pleases, regardless of what anybody thinks. I thought about this we are something as people isn't it something what do we do what do we do what do we do in life all of us do this at some point or another have done this we are blamers we blame other people that that's kind of the history of mankind isn't it isn't it the mo of the human race we're, we're bl- it started right away in the garden i got some questions about the garden How long did Adam and Eve live in a perfect place? You know, sometimes we get the idea, oh, it was a few months, it was a couple years. Who knows how long they lived in the perfect place. But it didn't take long. We're blamers. We blame people. It wasn't long. God put Adam to sleep. He performs the first operation. Adam was lonely. Adam realized that every created being had a mate had a helpmate, someone like them, male and female. He was alone. He wakes up from the operation, and God presents Eve to Adam. And what does Adam do? Wow! This is amazing. This is what I've been talking about. This is what I'm longing for. She's beautiful. And then who knows how long it was when they fell and they sinned and they disobeyed God. What did Adam do right away? He became a blamer. He throws Eve under the bus just like that. Well, God, that woman that you gave me, she's the problem. And by the way, God, he blames God also. The woman that you gave me and she did, we're blamers. I'm saying that to say, you made me. I have to. So we blame people for our stress. I've got to. You know, really, there's just a few things that we really have to do in life. And the one thing is that comes to mind, and we think really we don't have to anymore in America, I guess, but I still think it's the one thing. Everybody should go to work. You need to work. Employment's an important thing. You know, free lunches only go so far, and free lunches run out. And so if you're able to work, go to work. How many agree with me there? I have to go to work. You have to go to work. There's things we have to do. Beside that, not too much more, but we blame. I'm blaming you for my stress. I'm blaming you for uh, why I don't feel so good. I'm blaming you. You know, When we say I have to, I must to, I've got to, we're actually saying I choose to because I really don't want to pay the consequences. Hardly anyone makes us do anything, so usually we can't blame anyone else for our stress but ourselves. And when we get under pressure, and you know how you handle pressure and how it comes out, we are choosing to allow people to put us under pressure. And we start to feel like victims. You made me, you made me, you made me. And we're not victims unless we allow ourselves to become victims. And I don't believe if we are creating the image of God, he has a plan of purpose for my life. I'm here for a reason and I am significant. That's you who I'm talking about. That God wants us to live the rest of our lives with a victim mentality. No victims here. Amen. Come on. We're not a victim. We're not a victim. And then we see we're not going to wear that label. Then we see organization. Know what you're trying to accomplish. These are practical lessons for today. John eight forty, excuse me, eight fourteen, Jesus again said this. These claims are valid, even though I make them about myself, for I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you don't know this about me. Every day you live by priorities or you live by pressures. Unless you plan your life and set your priorities, you will be pressured by what other people think is important. And it's easy to live under tyranny of the urgent. You get to the end of the day, you get to the end of the week, you get to the end of the month, and well, I've thought this, and I think you have too. You begin to think, did I accomplish anything worthwhile today? How many's ever had a day like that? Did I accomplish any did I make anything? Uh, advancements. Did I I accomplish anything? Did I achieve anything, anything important, anything worthwhile? I I, I used a lot of energy. I did a lot of things, but did I accomplish anything important? And you've heard this. Busyness is not necessarily productivity. Busyness is not necessarily productivity. You may be just spinning, spinning in circles very fast. Preparation prevents pressure and procrastination produces it. Having clear goals simplifies life. So I'm going to say this. Spend time in the morning. Look at your day. Look at your schedule. Look at your week. Look at your calendar and decide, is this really important? Is this how I'm going to spend the day? Is this how I'm going to spend the week, the month of my life? Am I willing to give 24 hours of my day in exchange for these activities? Decide what's important. And then number four, concentration. Focus on one thing at a time. We look at Jesus, and there were people that tried to get Jesus detoured from his planned schedule. He had a plan. He had a schedule. I'm here, then I'm going here, and we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this. And there were people that tried to get him off of his schedule. Don't you hate when that happens? I've got a plan. I've got to do this. I've got my list. And. And Jesus encountered this so often. They tried to distract him from his goal in life. He went to a solitary place to be alone, but it says the people went looking for him, and they found him. And when they found him in Luke 4.42, they begged him, don't leave us, Jesus. And this is how the Holy One, the Perfect One, Jesus, the Son of God, responds. I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns, too, because this is why I was sent. And so what we see here is, yeah, he's loving, but he's refusing to be distracted by less important things. So principle number four, stress management is focus on one thing at a time. It's the principle of concentration. But we have a problem with this today because we think we are all so good, and they tell us women are better at it than men. And my wife thinks she's really good at this, and most of the time. And some of you know what I'm going to say. Multitasking. Woo, I'm a multitasker. Good for you. I'm not so much. Yeah, our phones help us. Our gadgets help us. Uh, the, the laptop helps us. We Yeah, we multitask. I'm getting so much done here today. I've got all the plates spinning in the air. The balls are in the air. And it's just go, 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 go. And we think we're really doing a great job. And the truth is, there's just too much to do. And my wife can be very good at this, but she also, and I'd say this, well, I would, but I've said this to her face. You know, sometimes, when I say sometimes, I say sometimes. She has this much to do. And I'm usually included on a lot of this, this much to do. We only have this much time to do it in. And the famous last words, oh yeah, we'll do this, no problem. That means there's going to be a problem with this. That's what that means. We got this much to do and this much time. When you have this much to do and this much time and you think it's no problem, it becomes a problem. And what happens? There's stress and there's pressure. You got the plates going, you got the balls in the air, multitasking and I'm kind of the old-fashioned way. I think in the boxes, and I got my desk, and I do this one, and I clear it, and I do this one, and I clear it, and there's no greater thing than throwing things in the trash can. I love throwing things in the trash can. And I've been accused of, what do you mean? Don't you remember that? And I go, it was on my list, and it's gone now, and it's over, and it's out of sight, out of mind. I'm done with that. I've cleared my mind. A clear mind's a wonderful thing. I'm not living with that burden and that pressure anymore. How can you forget that? Because I cleared it away and I threw it in the trash, never to be remembered no more. Hallelujah. See, I'm like God. I'm taking on qualities of my Lord and Savior. Some of you get what I'm talking about. Here it is. Jesus refused to be distracted by the less important things, and it was concentration, concentration, concentration. We think we do so. Well, but it gets to be too much, and it seems everyone tried to interrupt him, and everyone had a try and be for him. And Jesus said, "I'm sorry, but I must keep moving toward my goal, my purposes." And he kept doing what God the Father had told him to do. He was determined. He was persistent. And he concentrated his efforts. When we diffuse our efforts, we are ineffective. Keep the main thing. The main thing. Say it with me, the main thing. You have a main thing of of where you are in your position. You have a main thing in your business. And and you're part, uh, uh, most of you are Morningstar Fellowship. And you see them throughout the building. We've talked about them. But we have our core values. And we want to make sure what we're doing fits the core values. And sometimes, you know, we can get beyond ourselves. And really, uh, we need to get sometimes, I think, to this point, less can be more. We think more and more is better. Sometimes less is more. And we got to stay in these core values where it's all about Jesus. We're here for others. We're sacrificially generous. We're here to serve, and we are united in purpose. Keep the main thing the main thing. Then delegation, don't do it all yourself. I love this one. Don't do it all yourself. Delegation. We look at Jesus in Mark 3, 13 and 14 afterward, Jesus went up a mountain, called out to the ones he wanted to go with him, his disciples, and they came to him and he sent them out to preach. What happened here? In other words, he delegated his authority. And sometimes we get uptight because we can begin to think everything depends on us. I have to do this. I must do this. If if it does, it's not going to get done unless I do it. And we start getting the mentality that we're Atlas holding up the world. I just have to do all of this. But Jesus says, get other people involved. And so the question becomes, well, why don't we delegate? Why don't we like to get other people involved? And uh, there's probably multiple reasons, but the first two that come to mind is this. The first one is perfectionism. If you want a job done well, you have to do it. What? If you want a job done well, you have to do it what? Yeah, perfectionism. We think, well, you know what? I need to do it myself. I just do it myself. Well, the truth is there's just too much to do. We can't do it all ourselves and be effective. And I thought about that. Jesus called his disciples, and he sent them out to preach. Jesus called. Have you looked at these disciples? He's called these disciples. Jesus, when we get to your kingdom, am I going to be sitting right next to you? Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus, I I don't think Matthew, this tax collector, should be walking around with us. Come on. They had some issues. They're like you and me. He called them to himself, and he sent them out to preach, and I thought about that. Do you think Jesus could have done a better job than his disciples? Absolutely. Absolutely he could do a better job than these disciples. Of course he could. But he let them do it even though he knew he could do better. We need to let other people develop their gifts, their talents, and their abilities. We need to let them learn to make mistakes because they're going to grow and become the best they can be when that happens. Amen? Amen? Let them do it. Let them do it. And last week I talked about two generations, the Caleb generation, 40 and over. How many do we have 40 and over in here right now? Caleb, how many? Okay, admit that. It's okay. Admit it. Raise your hand. There's no ladies raising their hands here. Okay. How many do we have in the Timothy generation, 40 and under? Raise your hand. I'm raising my hand to help you. I'm not in that generation, okay? I'm just raising my hand to help you there. I was, like I said, last week, but something happened. Now I'm not in that generation. I transitioned very quickly. Who knows how that happened? Right, Mike? How did that happen? Really? Where would that go? Anyway, so you look at that. What I'm saying is we need your gifts, talents, and abilities. God wants to use you here at Morningstar. We need your wisdom, your experience, your faith. We need your creativity to make what Mike was talking about happen here at two campuses on a Sunday morning. We've gotten some new equipment, put some money in, so things sound better, screens look better. Those that, we love you online, can't brave nine degrees and you're staying home today, that in a few weeks it's going to look better what you're watching and hearing at home. And we're taking a step of faith that all of you aren't going to stay home from now on, that you're going to. But there's nothing like being here in person. Amen? Amen. So what I'm saying is there's a place for you to serve. We need you to serve. And there's another reason. It's insecurity. If I delegate, what happens if they do a better job than me? So that insecurity, it can be threatening. But I want you to know something. You won't be threatened by that possibility if you know who you are. Amen? You're not going to be threatened if you know whom you're trying to please, and you won't be threatened if you know what you want to accomplish. For us to be effective, to be effective, other people have to get involved. And then meditation, and I'm going to say this over and over again, make a habit of personal prayer. This is huge. This is major. This is significant. I can't emphasize this enough. I can't do it for you. Make a habit of personal prayer, meditate. Mark 135, before daybreak. Woo, daybreak, daybreak. Uh, my mind just went to this because thank God. I, I just have known how important this is, and so we get up before the sun's up, and Teresa has her place, and I have my place with the Lord, and that kind of thing. But I, I thought of this because. How many like to sleep when it's colder in the room? You like it cold in the room. How many like to sleep that way? I have to say I do too. How many like the heat going and it's warmer and hot in the room? And and yeah, we've gotten really drastic at this. We have no heat on in our bedroom at all. It takes a little doing when it's down to fifty-something in your bedroom to get up in the morning and say, "I'm going to make a habit of personal time with God." And we've got these great comforters on the bed, and you're down in there, and and you peek out, and, and you know, and I, I just got to tell you, I don't like wearing pajamas and a t-shirt, and so it's cold when I step out of there, and. But Jesus made a habit of meditation, and that's biblical. Eastern religions have stolen that and twisted that, but you're going to meditate in the presence of God, the great stress reliever. Amen? It's biblical that they're going to let go of your anxieties. We have a tool. We have a help, and that's time alone with Jesus, time alone with the Father. And so if Jesus made time for prayer, I thought about that. How much more do I need to be alone with God in prayer? If Jesus, the Son of God, said this is a priority, this is a must, this is necessary in my life, I can't live on planet Earth without recharging every day my battery in the Lord, without letting off my uh, my stress and my pressure and my load and what's on my mind and on my heart. He's talking about a quiet time with God, a decompression chamber, For our life's stress. And so we talk to God and we listen to the Lord and He speaks to us through His Word. Aren't you thankful for the Word of God? And He'll speak to us through the Holy Spirit. And we can tell Him what's weighing on our minds and our hearts. And then we give Him our schedules and we give Him our calendars. And we evaluate our priorities and we wait on His instructions. And many of us have a problem with this. Because it's hard for us to be still and to be quiet. Anybody challenged with that? Because we've got this little thing that we have with us all the time, and it it's called the phone. Or we've got the laptop, or there's the music playing, or there's the media and the depressing news going on all the time. And, and, and that's one reason why, about 20 years in a row, Teresa and I have gone to Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia, because you go into the Colonial largest outdoor uh, theme natural museum of 300 plus acres or whatever it is, and there's no radios, no TVs, there's no loudspeakers, no music playing. It's people, and it's birds, and it's horses, and it's a wagon, and, and you get time to be quiet, quiet. It's amazing sometimes. You know, you've got the TV on, and and then you get a blast from the phone. And and I understand there's things that are good, but I tell you, I was falling asleep in bed, and there was this blast, and it was important. It was an Amber Alert, but, man, that's a jolt. Man, I'm going into the deep part right here, and, ah, boop. Wow. Psalm 4610, and he knows it would be challenging for us in in 2021. Be still and know that I am God. Get into the quiet place, the secret. It's not going to happen unless you intentionally make it happen. And someone said this, you know, (laughs) it seems to be ironic habit of man that when he is lost, he doubles his speed. And it's not just a joke. I've been there before. It was before the GPS and the phones. And Teresa said to us one time, where are we? I says, I have no idea, but we're making great time. Let me tell you, we're getting there. Yes. You see, prayer is recharging daily. Our, Our batteries, several times a day, our spiritual batteries. Number seven, recreation. Take time off to enjoy life. I think people are struggling with this. Take time off. Mark 6.31, then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest for a while. The principle of relaxation and rest. How many things that sounds really good right now? Relaxation and rest. Tell your neighbor, rest. Chill out. Take it easy. I want to tell you, this isn't optional. It's not optional. It's a must. Jesus knew when it was time to relax. He went to the mountains. We see he went to the desert. He went to the lake, the Sea of Galilee, to unwind. God knows our physical, emotional, and spiritual constitution, constitutions demand periodic breaks and rest. We've got to rest. You've got to decompress. you got to clear your mind. you got to let go. I want to encourage you to be able to do that. I like to read, and some of the things I like to read are biographies. I like to read about people who who have just accomplished things in life, and and what we would say, they succeeded, and you say, wow, that's amazing. She did this, and he did this. And I begin to find something about people that we would consider great people in history or in life, that that whether it was in politics or business or, or whatever it may be, they had this in common. All of them had periodic times of rest and relaxation in their life where they got away from the noise and the hustle and bustle, and they were able to decompress and become a better version of themselves than they were before, and they were able to relax and become creative again and think again. Somebody's found yourself, it's hard even to think at times because it's go, 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 go. Yes. Look at this. Jesus handled stress because he enjoyed life. He did. We have all these pictures of jesus we We have the medieval picture of Jesus, and he doesn't smile. Then we've got the effeminate picture of Jesus, and that's kind of creepy and then we we've got outright creepy pictures of Jesus that take place and, and then I'm so thankful some years ago. Someone came up with this picture of Jesus, and he's smiling. I like that picture of Jesus because the word of God tells us that he came and he was enjoying life. Somehow we've portrayed this thing, accept Jesus Christ, come into the kingdom, have your sins forgiven. He has a plan and purpose for your life, and you're not going to be happy ever, ever again. You're not going to enjoy this thing called doing the will of God. You're not going to enjoy this thing going to church. You're not going to enjoy this thing serving God. You're not going to enjoy it. You're going to give till it hurts. You're going to suffer till Jesus comes. Jesus came enjoying life no matter what was going on around him. Amen? We're going to enjoy life no matter what's going on around us. Amen? This life, this world, isn't going to suck the life out of us. Amen? Jesus came enjoying life. It tells us in Matthew 11:19, 19, he game enjoying life. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 6, 17 that God has provided everything richly for our enjoyment. Here's the old saying: All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Rest and relax. And here's our action stuff. This, this is it. This is where we're ending right here. Transformation. What do we do? i got to give my stress to Jesus. I'm going to handle my stress in Jesus' name, and it's not going to handle me. I'm giving it to Jesus. Amen? How many has got some things in your life that you would like to see out of your life here today? How many would like to leave it here today? Just leave it here today. What, what, What we're good at many times when we come to the house of God, we get into the worship, oh, praise your Lord. And he begins to lift our, our, our burden and our heaviness, and we hear the word of God. And I'm challenging you today and encouraging you today, leave it here in the house of God. Amen, amen. And you know what we do sometimes? We lay it down for a few minutes, and somewhere in the lobby or when we get in the car, we pick it back up, and we take it with us the next of the week. Yeah, how many's done that? I have. Say it with me, leave it here. Say it with me, lay it down. Right here, this is what we're going to do. Jesus didn't say, come to me, and I'm going to give you more burdens and more stress and more worry and more anxiety. He didn't say that, did he? I believe what Jesus says can work. See, I, I just blew your hat off right there. I just did. Matthew 11, Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You'll find rest for your souls, your mind, your will, your emotions. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Give your stress to Jesus. It's not doing you any good. You don't need it. It's not helping. You don't need that in your life. Lay it down today. Jesus can handle it. Jesus, let's stand together this morning. Amen. There's some words there. I took time in the first service. I'm not going to take time right now, but a couple of those words right there just tell us that when we talk about th- that that burden and, and heavy labor and those burdens, what he's talking about is you know what? You've carried this for a while. It's heavy. You're exhausted. You've been striving and striving. And, and, and that 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 heavy burden or or Uh, It's like a backpack. It was a military term that the pack was weighted. If you're on a long trip as a soldier, the pack was heavy. If you're on a short trip, it was lighter. What he's saying is you're carrying a heavy load. You're on a long journey. You're exhausted. There's no end in sight. And it seems like you just can't get rid of this. And you are weary. And yet you have a long distance to go and he says I want to give you rest I want to refresh you and he says take my yoke upon you he says deliberately allow me to come in there with you like those two animals in a yoke pulling the load together and he says if you allow me to come into your life come into your stress come into your situations come into your anxiety come into what's heavy he says you And I, together, nothing is impossible. Together, I will enable you to keep going. And my burden is comfortable and it's light. You don't have to do life alone. I can be right there with you. So here's the first question. Praise God. Every week I ask this question. Because I think it's the most important question in the world. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you in the family of God? Have you repented of your sins? Do you have the new life that he wants to give you? Are you on your way to heaven? Amen? Life or death question. He wants to give you life. For here and all of eternity. Life. Last Sunday, a young couple right here in the front row accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Thursday night, a man that's come to church, his wife has come to church faithfully. He's about ready to step out of this life into the next life, not sure of his salvation, wanted to be sure. We prayed with him. He confessed Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. He's on his way to heaven when he leaves this life. Amen? Amen. Three people, three people. We're believing for 125 this year. Anybody here today? The to ones invite Christ into your life? You need Him. You can't do it all alone. You say, I've had enough of this. I've had enough. Of this. Thank you, young lady, right here. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Amen. We have a card. We want you to fill out if you pray this prayer and hand it into the new here table so we can follow you up and help you. I saw one hand, so we're going to pray together. She's coming into the family of God. She's receiving Jesus Christ, everlasting life. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that I'm not an accident, that you have a plan. And a purpose for my life. I thank you. For sending Jesus. Your one and only son. To be my savior. And right now. I believe. And I confess. That Jesus Christ. Is my Lord and Savior. Jesus forgive me. Take my sin. Give me your life. Give me a brand new start. From this day forward, I want to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Here's the next question. You know the Lord, you love the Lord, but you've been carrying some stuff. You want to handle stress, you don't want stress to handle you. You're going to lay it down. And you're going to walk out of here lighter today. Raise your hand for me right now. We're going to pray. I'm walking out of here lighter today. I'm walking out of here lighter today. I'm handling this. It's not handling me in Jesus' name. So here we are, Lord. I thank you, Lord, Jesus, right now. You shown me in your word how with you I can handle this. And I declare right now. Worry doesn't control me. Fear doesn't control me. Anxiety doesn't control me. Stress does not have the best of me. I handle all of this, and I handle it with joy in this life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Let's worship together as we close this morning. Amen. amen.
1: They say this mountain can't be moved. They say these chains will never break. But they don't know you like we do. There is power heard the tide will never change, but they haven't seen what you can do. There is power in your name, so much power in your name. Move the immovable, break the unbreakable. But you have miracle God we believe God we believe for it move the immovable sing it out break the unbreakable God we believe God we believe for it from the impossible the we'll see a miracle God we believe God, we believe for it. God, we believe. God, we believe for it. Amen. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Do we believe for it? Let's sing that one more time. Move the immovable. Move the immovable. Sing it out. God bless you, church. Have a great week.